opportunity to drive the conversation. <laughs> the Bible studies are. I mean, I, I drive so much of it, you know, and I'm happy to do that. But we also want people to have an opportunity to bring up things going on <coughs> with them and for them, you know, if there be something of that nature. Mm. Is doing it. too much not good? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next question. Unless it's for your wife. That's right. And all the ladies said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> you set yourself up for that one. I'm, I'm in, uh, I guess, what I'm thinking, I'm just thinking out loud, really. Uh, is, uh, so, like, I have a million things going on, or we have a million things going on in the next, like, three months or so, or I feel like I do. And then there's other times where, there's times where I'm like, man, this is way, I got way too much going on, like, trying to do this, and I'm trying to do that, and I'm trying to do this, but then there's also a part of me that feels like I do have the time, and I actually want to be having a lot going on because it keeps me more focused and not distracted by being a free mind, you know, like, I, I you know, like the whole thing of if you... Idle hands. Yeah. You know, that saying, mm -hmm. so yeah. it's like sometimes if I don't do anything, I get in like a rut or... If I'm if I have like certain things going on, okay, I'm I'm focusing. I gotta dial that in. Okay, this is what I'm doing today. Okay, this is what I'm doing today. Whereas if I don't have those goals or those things going on, I'm just like, man, what the hell am I gonna do today? Uh, next thing you know, you did nothing. Couch potato. Yeah. And you ate a bag of chips. <laughs> and you ate a bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> and two brownies. Yeah. Well, well, well. I don't really know if it's day. like a question. It was just more of just I guess a discussion to yeah. talk about. Yeah, um, I guess you want to get to the place where should you not do something one day that that doesn't bother you? Because if it does, what that kind of reveals is that you're trying to find peace from being busy. Yes. Mm. And if you're trying to find peace from being busy, then that means at least some of your activity is not born from grace. It's born from your own strength. Mm. And if some of your activity is born from your own strength, then you could find yourself doing too much. But the question isn't necessarily the amount of what you're doing, but the power behind the doing, yeah. okay? So if you're just filled with great liberty and out of your union with God, the grace is the motivation behind everything you do, you could find yourself doing all types of things, yeah. right? And you could find that you feel great strength to do it all. Paul said it this way, he added up all the apostles together, and he said, we'll speak as a fool now. He added up everything the other apostles did, which was 11 of them. And those guys were walking with Jesus. He, he wasn't walking with Jesus. And he come and said, I labored more abundantly than all of them put together. But then he says something profound. He says, yet not I. It was the grace of God that was laboring in me, or that was the power behind my laboring. Okay? And so... If you tend to get off in the, the pit when you have nothing to do, as a stopgap, you might implement a system where you keep yourself busy so you don't get over there because mm -hmm. you see it's not healthy for you. Mm -hmm. But what you would probably want to do is simultaneously get with God right. and find out why that occurs. 
So that can actively be unwound as you're using a stopgap, right, to keep yourself going into the pit. And then you live by the heart. You see, because if what you're doing, you, you can either live by the heart in what you're doing, or what you're doing could be born from what's in your heart, or what you're doing can be used as a system to try to keep you from being idle. Those are two different things. Do you see what I'm saying? Say that again. We want what you're doing to be born from passion in your heart instead of a system of trying to keep you busy. For the sake of just... Being keep, busy, keep to keep your mind occupied so you can stay focused. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. What, it, what that means is you seem to have recognized a dynamic that it doesn't work out well for you if you're not doing something all the time. Where you feel... And I'm gonna, just going to tell you, the reason why it doesn't work out for you is because you're judging yourself negatively if you haven't done something. Mm-hmm. I do that too. That's why, that's why you start going into the pit, mm-hmm. right? Because you come with a judgment about what does it mean that I didn't do anything all day? I could even just tell by the way you said it. Next thing I know, I didn't do anything all day. And you didn't say that like, hallelujah. <laughs> you didn't say that like I was able to chill with God. I was able to, to iron some things out with God. I got yeah. quiet with the Lord. Man, Heather and I just laid around and did nothing. You didn't say it like, oh, sweet jubilation. Right? right? And so what that tells me is that you, you've got some type of judgment attached with that. Now, you don't want to listen to what I say and use the carnal mind and say, okay, well, then I must stop doing everything. No, no, no. It's not about what you do or don't do or how much you do or don't do. That's not what it's about. It's about what you're doing being born from the peace in your heart instead of being born from the uneasiness in your heart, right? Because if it's born from this negative judgment that I didn't get anything done today, then the strength behind a lot of what you're doing will be your own ability and not the grace of God, right? But if you get rid of that negative judgment and you're just being led by your heart in what you want to do, you could find grace to do so much more than you're already doing, right? Like, I, I struggle with that too because I, don't, I feel like sometimes I'm in the place where I don't get to live by my heart, right? Where, oh, I don't want to say it that way. Um, what I'm trying to iron out is what's in my heart is to be all things to all people at all times that I might win the more to Christ. And uh, I don't have the time for that. <laughs> and so I end up running myself into the, the ground. And so then I try to sort out how do I weigh those two things together. But that's what I would encourage you to do is when I counsel somebody that has like an addiction, the first thing I ascertain is what state is their addiction in? Is their life in danger of self-destruction or not? And the reason I do that is because I try to ascertain if I'm going to put in a stopgap to keep them from self-destructing while I unwind their thinking that's causing the addictive practice. Right? And it sounds like that's kind of what you have going on. You have a system you're using to keep yourself from not having anything to do because you don't you judge yourself negatively if you don't do something you would have to decide whether it's advantageous to get that out of the way mm-hmm. and say i'm not using that no more right. or whether you're going to keep that in place right now and you're going to start talking with god about unwinding and how you can also feel joy if there should be a day that you didn't do anything Right? Like you might tell God, listen, Lord, 
I want the, the power behind what I do to be your grace and not my dissatisfaction at not doing anything. Right? Mm-hmm. I want, I know that I could have joy whether I do something today or don't do something today. But I struggle to experience that. Right? Now I want you to bring something forth in me. Unwind this thing in me where I've judged it to be evil if I don't accomplish something one day. Right? Because I want to have peace whether I get something done or not. Right? And that's, that's what I would start doing with God. Right? So many times when we first come into grace, we use the carnal mind to interpret what I said. And so we just say, okay, well, if, uh, if doing so much is bad, then let, now let me do nothing. Well, that's the same mindset that was doing so much. It's just the other side of the coin. You're still trusting in your own strength, right? And so it's, I, I can't emphasize it enough. It's not about what we do or don't do. It's not about how much we do or don't do. It's the state of our heart in what we're doing, right? It's what is the motivation or the driving force behind what we're doing. Is it abundance or is it lack? Right? If what I'm doing is out of a position of trying to satisfy or keep me from feeling lack, then the strength behind what I'm doing can't be the living God because there's no lack in God. It's got to be my own desire to not feel lack. Right? And so that's what you, you sit and you ask yourself, Gwen, you see how I've coined your the living God thing, huh? <laughs> well, it's because it's, it's the essence for me of making it through any and every particular day. Yeah. And, and something I've realized is words have power. Mm. And even when you just say the living God, mm. it's ministering something to your heart, even if you don't know it. Yeah. Mm. Right? Yeah. And as, as the meditation of your heart becomes the living God, <laughs> mm. right? That will begin to crucify the death that's in the world or the lack that's in the world. You'll begin to see all lack nailed to a tree. And you'll find your heart dying to the lack that's in the world. And you'll find your heart circumcised from lack, where you no longer feel lack, right? Where you just feel abundance. And you're not doing things to feel abundance, but rather you just feel abundance whether you're doing something or not. And then out of that great abundance, you're led into what you want to do, right? That's, that's when your life is animated by the grace of God. That's where Paul would come and say, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer me living. The power behind my life is no longer the things I'm doing to try to satisfy my desire for life. The power behind my life is no longer the things I'm doing to satisfy the lack that I feel or to keep me from feeling lack. The power behind my life is the very resurrection life of Christ. Right? Well, there's no lack in that life. And so then you find yourself just filled with abundance and looking at everything through the eyes of abundance. In me is a life that overcomes even death. Hallelujah. Right? And you just find that strengthening you. And you can find yourself doing things that you're like, how, do, how, how am I doing this? How, how am I still going? Right? right? right. Does that make any sense? Do, do you, does that kind of yes. dissect yeah. the thing? But that is a powerful, powerful thing, especially within grace circles. Because mm-hmm. so many times people hear grace as... The message of, I must now just not do what I did before. (laughs) That's still the law. (laughs) You just made a different law. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) And so, I remember for the longest time, I thought rest was, you know, talking about, I'll never feel discomfort or anything. And I realized that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's where you would want to get, and I had to do something very similar to that. 
Um, because when I, I think a lot, and before I, before I really got caught up with God, if I had idle time, boy, I would really start dissecting all kinds of things. And like next thing I knew, I had dissected death. <laughs> all the different ways it could be dissected and the lack that I saw everywhere and in myself, all the different ways that it could be dissected. And then I felt great depression. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I was busy, busy, busy trying to keep my mind occupied from going there. But what will happen is, man, you, you can keep hearing the message of the gospel, the word of life, the word that the Father was manifested in our midst in the resurrection of Jesus. And your thoughts become uh, filled with that. And you're all the time meditating on that, even as you're just sitting around, yeah. right? And then you can find the ability to say, oh, you know what? I don't feel like doing that. So since my doing isn't born from trying to keep myself from not doing anything, then I feel the great liberty to not go do that. Instead of thinking, well, let's see, am I going to do that or not? Well, am I going to have too much time on my hands doing nothing? Well, if I'm not going to have any time on my, if I'm going to be left doing nothing, maybe I should do it. You see, you're not really living by the heart. You're just trying to fill in your schedule. Right. Right? Recognize this about yourself, though. You have great unction in you. But mix that with the mind of Christ and not the mind that's in the world. Right? You have a, a supernatural capacity to, uh, it's like a supernatural capacity for purpose inside of yourself. And maybe that just needs to be hooked up with the mind of, of God. Right? And you can start talking with God. Father, I just feel focused when I'm getting stuff done. Like, I, like Jesus said when the Pharisees were chastising him because he was working on the Sabbath. Jesus, because they read the, the law and they thought the Sabbath said you shouldn't do anything on the Sabbath. Well, Jesus said, well, I see the law. And do you know what the law tells me? That my father always worketh. And even I worketh just as my father worketh always. You might have that kind of a thing born in you where you see that the Father is always active, that he's animated with life. And that might just give you a buzz. But you don't want that desire to be plugged into the world, right? You want that to desire to be plugged into the life of God where you're not judging what you're going to do based on filling in a schedule, but just by the passion in your heart. You know, man, I want to do that. Hallelujah. Right? Because it's, I think what's in you is passion to begin with. And in fact, I think that was a word from God about the worketh thing. I think you just, it's like, that's the image and likeness of the Father that you are. You have this umph to just bam, 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 bam. Right? But you don't want that desire, that passion you have to get hooked in with the thinking of the world. Because that's when it could go sideways for you. Right? I hope that makes some sense. Well, you don't feel like the Lone Ranger. Because we all, all struggle. I mean, I've been retired for almost 10, oh, over 10 years. Wow. Almost 10 years. 10 years in next year. Yeah, you were 15. Yeah, in 12. And I still struggle with that. And I got tons of time, right? I could do yeah. whatever I want. And sometimes I sit around going, oh, crap, I, I can't sit here and do nothing. Yeah. And uh, it gets, it, you can really beat yourself up pretty significantly. For well, it's, more, it's more so not like I'm beating myself up. It's like I, I feel like I do have so many things on my plate, but I... Like I was telling Heather, I um, like I just came under some property to lease to go for hunting and stuff. But I have like five other things that I'm also trying to do. 
And she's like, I don't really know if you have time. You know, do you think you have time? Like, do you, do you really think you're going to be able to do this? And I was like, I don't know. I, but I feel like I can. I don't, it's not like I'm stressed or struggling. Like, I do have all these things going on, but I don't feel there's no sense of obligation attached to anything. I just feel very free to do all these things. But then also I'm thinking to myself, dang, dude, this is like a lot. Is it, is it almost too much? But I don't, but I do have a sense of freedom with it as in like, I'm not stressed. I'm not trying to push people aside to make this work or I'm saying, well, screw you because I got this going on. Like, it's just very like, Hey, look, I got this going on. You can come with me and hang out or this is, this is, this, you know, I want to go do this. I feel like I have enough time. Like, do you feel like I'm maybe going to take time away from you? Like what's going on? And I mean, I feel very free by it, but I mean, there is also a sense of me like, you, you have way too much going on. Like you need to pump the brakes and, you know, not do this much. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, it's like I said, the struggle where I feel great. Where well, did the thought come from that I have too much going on? Uh, I guess probably when Heather... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we're going to... I think we're going to the room. I would rather, her, I would rather <laughs> her be in the room to defend herself. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, that was, that's, that's kind of where it stemmed from. Like I, you know, I'm doing this thing with the military and then I'm, uh, you know, I have, uh, what, what else? I have a triathlon that I was going to go to home and, um, and she, she hurt. So she, I didn't hear, uh, like I have the thing with the military and then I have this triathlon then I have this other, uh, shooting competition. And then we have like going back to California for Christmas and obviously we have now the house going on and then I just do the lease for the hunting. <clears throat> and then I'm, and then, she, you know, she mentioned, uh, do you really think you have enough time for all this? And that's where I was like, I mean, I feel like I do, but I mean, maybe I don't, or maybe I'm not or anything like that. So that's where I was like, man, am I, am I really doing too much? I don't know. So well, I'm just going to assume that you would tell him if it was getting in the way of you two already. Oh, it had nothing to do with that. Okay, yeah, so no, it had nothing no, to do with you two. No, it was just more so like, it's a lot. Mm. And he's going to get overwhelmed really, really quick. Yeah. But so what you might want to consider, I have to tell myself this weekly. <laughs> weekly. That no one knows me better than my wife except God. And sometimes, because my wife has been able to watch me from the exterior all these years, she picks up on things I don't pick up on because I'm in the middle of it and she's on the outside looking mm-hmm. in. Right. And so when my wife tells me things like that, <clears throat> I've learned now not to be like, what's that woman talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I've learned to, to not think like that now. And I've learned to think that, you know what? I'm going to think about what she said. Yeah. And I did. And talk with God. And I totally did. Like I even, like the guy that I was going in the hunting property with, he's has all the time in the world. He's older. He doesn't have a job anymore. He just farmed (laughs) in his garden. So he's got all the time in the world. And I, and I, and, and after she said, I was like, you know what? That's, I'm going to just address the dude and be like, look, man, this is what I got going on for the whole hunting season. If it's not going to work, you just let me know. Like, I'm not trying to tell you I don't want to do it. I want to do it, but if it doesn't work for you, I'm not going to try to make this work. I feel like I can do it. If you feel like we can do it too, let's go for it. And he's like, yeah, we can make this work. I was like, okay. Yeah, where to go. Yeah. All this talk about being so busy brings up the subject that's in my heart. <laughs>
of daily naps. <laughs> when I, when I, I mean, I, I enjoy taking a nap every day. And when I first started taking naps, I didn't want anyone to know. Because what will they think of me? You know, lazy, am I just, uh, am I just lazy? Yeah. Well, I mean, for Pete's sake, are you going to schedule your day around your nap? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so everybody that knows me well knows I take a nap every day between 2 and 3. And um, I mean, I don't always lay down right at 2. Sometimes it's 2.30, 2.45. Sometimes not rigid. But, but you know what? I have great peace about me taking a nap every day. I enjoy it. I don't feel any guilt or condemnation about it. And um, if, if other people, who cares what other people think about me for taking a nap every day? Because I'm going to take a nap every day. And when I wake up from my nap, it's, it's kind of like you get to start your day twice every day. <laughs> because I'm getting, I'm getting tuckered out. Oh, and then I take a nap. And I, when I wake up, I'm refreshed, I'm ready, okay, let's go, part two. Yeah. And I'm ready, you know, to maybe make it all the way till seven Six. or eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when I go to bed at night, I still sleep great. I didn't not let my <laughs> taking a nap kept me up. I just love my nap and I have great freedom and peace. Sounds like you get 730 days out of the year. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But it did used to really bother me because I thought, what if people find out that I take a nap every day and what are they going to think of me? But I don't care about that anymore. Because yeah. <laughs> I know who I am is good. Amen. That's what I was about to say. Right? You see, that's living from the heart. Yeah. That's all I ever try to do. Am I living from the heart or am I living, is something external driving me? Right? That's... That's what I talk with God. When I, when I have a conundrum like that, where I'm like, hmm, that's what I get with God about. Is there, is there something driving me that isn't coming from you, right? That's what I sit with God and ascertain, right? Um, and then I go with, with that. That's what I always try and do. Amen. And that's what I would encourage everybody to do, right? What's the driving force? And, one of the things, and I said this a lot, but I can't get past this simple, profound thought. What would we think about if our thoughts weren't filled with trying to have life? Yes. If that was already settled, I wonder what would come forth in our, our hearts. And that's one of the things that I think about when I get with God. Because, um, and I don't do this as a work, but I'm hanging out with God every day anyway. So one of the things I daily do with God is talk with Him about the life that he has in himself and that I share with him in. And I talk to him about the substance of that life, how, how massive it is, how, how much abundance there is in it, how there's no lack in it, how it fills up, just any number of things. You could, I talk about that life with him. And one of the reasons why I see that I do that after the fact is that what that does is it fills my heart with abundance. It washes my conscience clean from thinking about trying to have life and that helps me to live by the heart instead of something external. D does that make any sense? Right? Because you'll live by your heart if you find your heart filled with abundance. If you find your heart filled with lack or what you need to have life, you'll find yourself living externally. Right? External things will then be motivating your actions instead of the abundance of life. Right? Right. God, God's, God's strength and power is revealed 
when we relinquish ours. Yeah. I wouldn't have anything to think about. <laughs> That's where I... That, oh, my God. Yeah, well, you go sit with God and, and sort that out for a while now. Because if all your thoughts about what you're doing to have life... Listen, there's no condemnation. You don't want to feel ashamed. Every single one of us have been there before. And probably every single one of us will find ourselves there again Absolutely. at some point and need God. But you, you want to stop and recognize that that's not helping you. If, if all your thoughts, that what, that, what that means is that the, the serpent has got it right to get you to innocently take on yourself the burden of manifesting life, right? And you hadn't really recognized it. You're just innocently going along, going along. You're so busy, you ain't had time to recognize it yet. You're going along, going along, going along. Next thing you know, you've taken the burden of manifesting life onto yourself. Right, and once once you've, you've taken the burden of manifesting life onto yourself, you're one step away, or even maybe simultaneously, what's going to happen is your nakedness is going to be uncovered, or you're going to feel naked, right? I was I, I was actually you're kind of leading into another to another thing. It's like uh, I go about my life, or my or recently, I guess I've noticed. I've gone about my day super happy, super excited, like I'm not feeling lack or I'm like I'm, I feel like I'm in this laboring toil of working and stuff like that for the, uh, the carnal life. But I also notice that I'm not really having that those conversations with God like, hey God, how are you doing or, or whatever it is that you know praying or just thanking the Lord or Say if I have like a little struggle, like I'm not like, all right, God, help me out through this. So I wonder, is it, is that, uh, is that because I'm going down that road where I'm going to become, I feel like this nakedness because I not having that interaction with God anymore or not as much. I just notice I am, but yet I'm, I'm not feeling lack. Like I feel loved and I feel appreciated. I feel great. I don't know. I don't, I don't really kind of know where I'm going with this. but I wouldn't say that it's a sign you're going down that road because, I mean, I, I'm always aware of God's life, right? It just so happens, I mean, I'm driving around in the car by myself, so I'm talking with God, right? I'm doing all those things. It's not a work that I'm doing, but I'm just cognizantly aware of what I'm doing. It's more about being aware that you're braided together with God or, and his I, life. Yeah, let me look. I know he loves me. Like, it's not like that's, that's like, that's not lost in the abyss. Like, I know he loves me. I know he's always going to be with me. I guess I, uh, I'm not having that interaction with him every day. So then I feel as weeks go by, oh man, I really haven't like had a conversation with him. But here's the thing. When you think of, I need to start having a conversation with God. I need to start praying more. That's the work. You living life, you're already braided together. So everything that you do yes. is already with God. So when you're driving to work, if you're not naturally or like saying like, I'm going to put my thoughts on God right now, you probably already are with God in your thoughts. But without, you don't realize without, without yes. Yeah, because it's not a doing. It's not a I must. Yeah. Yes. And it doesn't have to sound or look a certain way. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Like the, Paul says to pray unceasingly. He isn't just talking about, okay, go get in the corner and, and talk with God. Like we think of talking with God, mm -hmm. right? What he's talking about is let the meditation of your heart be your union with God, right? Let that be the foundation from where everything you're doing is born from. And that could be a subconscious thing going on in you. So I wouldn't say that it's a, a sign 
that you're going down the wrong way. But what I would say is what you know is that the world is always going to come back from time to time to try to uncover your nakedness. You bet. Right? And if that happens and you feel that weakness or nakedness, then that might be a sign that, let me get with God. Yeah. Right? But I wouldn't look and say, well, it's because I haven't gotten with God. Yeah. Because listen, even if you've been getting with God, quote unquote, in a, what looks like a tangible outward way, every single day, the world can still come to uncover your nakedness. Mm-hmm. And you can still feel weakness. I guess the way, like, the way it kind of brought me here is like, I used to listen to the Gospel Revolution podcast every day to work for like the longest time. And then within like the last month or two, I just stopped. And I'm like, man, am I going down a road here? Like, I'm not receiving his message anymore. I'm not receiving his love. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm being loved, so it's not like I'm, I'm not feeling lack of love, but it's like, man, I'm not receiving his message anymore. Does that mean that I don't need him anymore? Is that... I think that's too much thinking. Yeah. I wouldn't say yeah. you're not receiving... I wouldn't say that it's that you're not receiving his message anymore because his message as Hebrew says, has been written on your heart by the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. What I would say is that the one warning or exhortation that all of the apostles give over and over in their letter is to keep hearing the faith, right? Now, that doesn't mean if you hadn't listened to a message in a couple of months, you're, you're down a slippery slope, right? But you, you want to you be diligent with the word of faith. I mean, make yourself available, whether it's having conversations whether it's listening, whether it's just in your thoughts, when you're looking at creation, whatever, right? You want your mind to keep being filled with the, the word of life, right? That's what Jesus, that's why Jesus went and talked with the Father every day, right? He was diligent with the word of faith. He kept hearing the word of life. And, and so that's what I would say. But if you hit a period of time in your life where you, I mean, you don't listen for a couple months, I don't know that it, it, you want to judge that as, as evil, right? Um, but you just have in the back of your mind that, you know, I'll start listening again, right? The thing is, too, like, I, I listen to the podcast all the time, and then there's times where I listen to other podcasts, and something will come in another podcast completely unrelated to this, and it will put my mind back where it always is. Yeah. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, I've gone astray because I chose this podcast over that one. Yeah. It just means that that was my interest in that moment, yeah. and it's still... I'm still with God, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Kind of a thought. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> I can stop talking. No, you don't have to stop talking. <laughs> I don't have all these problems, I, I hear swear. Him all the time. I'm not a the, problem child. The, the, the hearing of the faith, what it's designed to do, it, it's designed to fill your eye with the life that's in Jesus. That's what it's designed to do. It's designed, and when I say I, I don't mean your physical I. I'm talking about when Jesus said, if your I be single. He's talking about the eyes of your understanding, right? Your sight is really born from your heart, not from your physical eyes. That's why two people could experience the same thing, see the exact same thing, and then describe it completely differently. Because their eye is their heart, and that's what they're viewing things from. So the, the, the hearing of the faith, the word of life, it's designed to keep your eye filled with the life that's in God that manifested in the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. The serpent, or the prince of this world, whatever you want to call it, is trying to fill your eye with the life that's but dust. Mm-hmm. Right? 
That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, if your eye be sick or made sick. The, the serpent wants to make your eye sick by filling it with the life that's in the world or a life that's but dust. Because if he can get your eye filled with the life that is but dust, that will uncover your nakedness, right? And it will cause you to, in that moment, struggle to comprehend God with you, right? And you'll find yourself looking at your own ability. You'll find yourself feeling condemnation, all those kinds of things, right? Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. I know what what happens is people want like a yes or no answer. But (laughs) the mind of the Spirit is not that way, Right. right? It isn't a yes or no cut and dry type of scenario. It's the discerning of what's going on in the heart. So the answer could be completely different, right? Based on discerning what's in the heart. And you, I mean, and also, too, is you really can't give me the answer. The answer is not coming from you. It's the answer with me and God. That's right. The answer is with you and God. I can yeah. tell you some things that you can go off and, and meditate on with God. Yeah. But that's what I love, especially with you, is you're not, there is no, there is no answer. You can't provide me the answer. But then also people need to understand that mm-hmm. when they seek your counsel or just counsel with anybody outside this room or anybody. They can't provide you the answer that's right to the issue that you're dealing with they can cover the truth yeah well that's they can guide you in the right direction the thing about it is is god is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart god so whatever i want to do and people hate this sometimes when they first they don't know anything about me or listening to my messages and they want to come counsel with me right because they want me to tell them what to do or who's right and who's wrong right but all i want to do is put god on display in their midst mm-hmm. and then God discerns the heart right and they can start to get understanding about what's going on in them right and they can start to hear the voice of God right when you put God on the mi- in in their midst and putting God in the midst of people it's a it's an amazing thing what first Timothy said he says great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh mm-hmm. and so he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus yeah. and so the way you put God on display in the midst of people is you describe the resurrection of Jesus. Yes. That's God manifest in the flesh. The word of life, through the declaration of the word of life, that puts God on display in people's midst. And then what that starts doing is it starts discerning the thoughts and intents of your heart. And you start hearing God. The way you hear God is by beholding God. Well, Paul said God was manifest in the flesh in the resurrection of Jesus. And so the way you hear God, the word of life is God talking. The way you hear God is through the hearing of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead Mm -hmm. unto glorified immortal flesh that can never die. And as you begin seeing that, beholding that, hearing that, that discerns all things for you, right? It cleanses your conscience from the knowledge of good and evil. Right? Either you're hearing from the knowledge of good and evil, which is the carnal mind talking, or you're hearing from the voice of God, which is the word of life. You're hearing from one of those. right? And the way you're going to hear from God is through the hearing of Jesus being raised from the dead and that the body of death was conquered. That's when you start hearing God loud and clear. Right? Amen. That doesn't mean that's when he starts talking to you. He's always talking to you. But that's his language. His language is the word of a life that has overcome death in the flesh and can never die or be touched by weakness ever again. That's his word. 
right? That, that fits really well with the thought that I was having. <clears throat> on Saturday, we're in Philippians 3 in our Saturday morning group, and we just were in Philippians 3. Paul talks about those things that he, if you could boast in the flesh, I could boast even more because of all of these things. And then <clears throat> he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. This is the key for me where I've, I'm kind of chewing on it but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them as dung, but dung, that I may win Christ. And in the next two verses, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So we read that yesterday morning, and I, I've i been chewing on the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. If something, and one, one thing says the supreme excellency of the knowledge of Christ, if something is a su supremely excellent, you think we should be kind of hanging out there and kind of just figuring out what it is, right? I ask the question, so what does that mean? You know, what do you think it means to know, to have the knowledge of Christ? And nobody gave me a response. So I jumped down to what does it mean to have resurrection power and know the sufferings of Christ? And explain to them what I think the suffering of Christ is, is that he denied his flesh on the cross and looked to Abba for life. <clears throat> it went nowhere. Nowhere. It went nowhere. I was so broken hearted that it, nobody heard that, but... Um, you shouldn't be surprised. Well, yeah. No, but I was, wondering, I was wondering what you all think <clears throat> when it says the knowledge of Christ. What, what does that mean to you? say that's where we've been all these years yeah. listening to. I totally agree <laughs> with you. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing totally him as father. Which is beautiful. Knowing him as father. That's the end of the knowledge of Christ. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It's actually a real simple thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. The end of the knowledge of Christ is <clears throat> being persuaded that God is father. Yeah. Your intimacy is with Abba. Mm -hmm. right? Now you could say a whole lot about what that means. Right. But that's the simplest way of saying it. Yeah. Right? You could say a whole lot about what that means. That doesn't just mean, well, uh, God created me. Mm -hmm. that's, that, that's not mm -hmm. the, the totality of what that means. If that's what you think it means, even the New Age people think that. Yeah. Right? Even the devils think sure. that God created them. Yeah. <laughs> okay? So that's not what it means to know God as Father. Right. Right? right? Jesus knew something different about what it meant for God to be Father. Right. I, I, tried, to, I tried to explain the suffering Christ and how we would identify with that. And they, they got all wrapped around the axle with, you know, tribulation and trials in this world. And I said, well, I don't disagree that those things are there. But that's, I don't think that's what Paul's talking about at all, if you look at it in the context. And what he's talked about in all of his other epistles, he's talking about rejecting the flesh. I mean, it's, it's the whole thing he just went through. Look, if you can boast in the flesh, I'm the best of all. I did this and this and this. I was Hebrew of Hebrew, you know, a Pharisee of the law, blameless. And yet, it comes down to, well, you know, we're going to have trials and tribulations in the world. And I guess that's kind of like the same thing as Christ's suffering. But as long as we're serving in the church, 
That's what matters. And giving money. Don't forget that giving thing. Yeah. So those scriptures are really beautiful. As long as you're giving your ten percent. Yeah, if you listen to yeah. it. Yeah. Right. I mean, the script. I mean, we. When I was doing the study, getting ready for Saturday, I couldn't even get past the yeah, first two verses yeah. in Philippians. Because that's the whole power for the life of God to be born in you. Amen. Is what Paul said. Mm-hmm. Paul said, my boasting used to be in all the things yeah. I could do and the strength in my flesh. And he, sat, and he said, that never gave me intimacy with the life I saw manifest in Stephen mm-hmm. when we were about to take him out of the world and he prayed for us. Yeah. All the, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, circumcised the eighth day, pertaining to the righteousness in the law, blameless. Man, all those things never brought some, the thing in me that I saw in Stephen. Right. right? And so right. then he said, I, I counted those things as dumb for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that I might know the power of the life that raised him out of the grave, even free from death. Yes. And then he goes on to say the way that that happened was he had fellowship with the sufferings of Jesus. That means the very thing that was, the faith that was in Jesus when Jesus was nailed to the cross was born in Paul's heart. Paul's Paul's heart was made conformable to the faith that was in Jesus' heart when Jesus was nailed to the tree and Jesus sat wanting life and he looked at the the flesh, he looked at the strength in his own hand and he counted it as dung towards the end of being able to clothe himself with life. And so he gave up the ghost. He looked at the life that was in the world and he said, that life is just dust. Even should I preserve this dust life, the best this dust life can give me is returning me back to the dust. I'm after a life where my body has been clothed in a heavenly substance. I don't see the heavenly substance in the dust of this earth. And so he looked above. And that's what Paul did. Yeah. That's, that's that my heart would be made conformable yeah, same as. to the heart that was in Jesus when he was nailed to the cross. Right. Paul saw something in Stephen and he was like, I heard I wasn't there when Jesus I don't think Paul might have been there. I'm just I'm extrapolating. I wasn't there when Jesus was crucified, but those dudes said that as they nailed him to a tree, he prayed for them. Those dudes said as they nailed him to a tree, he blessed them. And I didn't believe it. Right. I thought nonsense. You're drunk with wine. And then I saw Stephen when we were stoning his ass. And he did the same thing. And then Paul sat with his desire. That's what I want. And then he realized all all the things he accomplished with his hands, the best he could gather from the world, could never bring that forth in him. And he said, but there was something in Jesus' heart that brought that forth in him. And that thing that was in Jesus' heart, it didn't just cause him to pray for these dudes when they were nailing him to a tree. That thing that was in Jesus' heart even consumed the death of the cross that manifested in his body to the degree that there was no remnant of death anywhere in him. Yeah. Right? Amen. And he, he sees that that's what he's after. And he sees the way to have it is to have fellowship with the sufferings of Christ. To have fellowship with the sufferings of Christ is to say this, I was crucified with Christ. Amen. That, that's what it's to say. That's what he means. He's not saying, I will have tribulation in this world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, that doesn't mean that you won't, like you said. No. Right. doesn't mean you won't encounter hard times. Everybody's encountered hard times for like two years now. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> at, at least. And, and probably long before that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, but the point Paul's making is the, that he was filled with the life of God 
through the supremely excellent knowledge of Christ. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I don't want to tell you <clears throat> the only way to keep hearing the word of life or the knowledge of Christ Jesus is through listening to a podcast every week. Because that's not the only way. It's not the only way. But I will tell you what you want to be doing as you live every day in this earth, just as you live every day eating food, you want to live every day feeding on the bread of life somehow, some way. Right? Whether it's talking, whether it's music, whether, like Heather said, you could even be listening to something different. And if your mind looks at it and starts thinking about the word of life, Hallelujah. Every day you want to be thinking on the word of life somehow, some way. Right? And messages are just a way to help you do that. Right? If anybody looks at me and thinks, uh, man, how did that happen in Greg? Well, Greg spends all his time thinking on the word of life. I get the luxury of that. Right? Like, people don't realize this, but I, I, I spend probably, probably at least 30 hours a week meditating on the message that I'm going to preach at least 30 hours a week that's shocking to some people for people that think pastors don't do anything listen that doesn't even count all the other things that I do but and Becky can testify to the amount of time I spend working on the message because I don't just drum something up and it's like that sounds good let's go with it (laughs) I try to prove it wrong yeah I sit around and try to prove it wrong because I take it seriously you people are valuable to God you guys' life is a treasure. And I'm not going to willy-nilly with your life with my own theology. Right. right? Too many people out there willy-nilly and with their own vain imaginations about God and theology. Yes. Right? Amen. They don't sit around and question what they think, question their answers, and try to prove it wrong. Right? I sit around and spend a lot of time doing that. And what I would say is I've seen my whole life completely changed just from meditating on the word of life with God. Now, that can look a bunch of different ways, right? But you, you do want to eat the bread of life every day somehow, somewhat, right? The manna was given from heaven. New manna every day. Right. It wasn't like it was poured out one day and then that was it, no. right? And so at the end of the day, you want your imagination to be so caught up with the word of life. Just so you know, the love of God is found in the word of life. Mm-hmm. That's where it's found. It isn't, the love of God is not just this rosy thing, God loves me, right? It's not like human love in the sense that we describe it. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't also include God loves me, right? It does include that. But when the scriptures talk about the love of God, it's talking about your heart being flooded with the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. That's what it's talking about. And the fruit of the Spirit is contained in the word of life. Right? That, the sower sows the seed. And what did he sow? The word. What is a seed? Isn't a seed something that produces fruit? Right? Yes. And so the word of life is a seed that's being sown. Right? And it has within it the fruit of the Spirit. And so the love of God, the peace, the love, the joy, the rest you desire, it's all contained in the word of life. Amen. And that's why we feed on the word of life every day. Right? And there's a bunch of different ways you could do that. Right? And so in the day you find yourself not listening to the Gospel Revolution Church podcast for a month or two, listen, I think you're blowing it. <laughs> but as Paul would say, oh, I'm, speak- I'm speaking as a man now. That's right. Right? And he would say that because I'm not trying to give you a commandment from the Lord. 
This is just what I think. I love how Paul makes a distinction there, right? He tells, well, this is what I think, right? I'm not trying to give you a command. But you want to you want to have that going on somewhere in your life consistently, right? Because that will keep your heart in the day of temptation. And the day of temptation is not where you're off going to do something bad, like a bad girl or a bad boy. The day of temptation has long since passed when you got there. The day of temptation is when the world comes to uncover your nakedness by trying to fill the eye of your understanding with the dust life or the life that's in the world, and you start to feel lack. That's the day of temptation. And the word of life will keep your heart in that day. In that day, the the lack that's in the life in the world comes knocking on your door. The word of life will keep your heart then. It will keep your heart by flooding it with the fruit of the Spirit. Right? And you see that dynamic in Jesus when He's on the cross. He starts talking with the Father. Right? But notice what He does when He's on the cross. He comprehends that the Father is there with Him. And He doesn't just comprehend that the Father is there with Him, but He comprehends that the Father has promised Him He won't allow the death of this cross to overcome His life. And then he comprehends the Father has in himself the kind of a life that can even overcome the death that's manifested in my flesh. I remember that life from the beginning. Wait a second, I am that life. (laughs) (laughs) What lack? I will stand in the midst of the great congregation and I will declare to the world the life that God has in himself is an incorruptible seed and he has dispersed that seed through me into the world that that incorruptible seed might abide in them and their eye, the eye of their understanding will be filled with the word of an incorruptible life. The life that overcomes the death in the world and can even overcome the death that's in my body to the uttermost where there ain't there no more. Right? Now you're feeling flooded with peace and love and joy. You know? And, and you're just floating. Cindy. I made a connection this morning, and I'm not sure I've ever made this connection before, but it came from when Heather said, knowing God as Father. And you all know my testimony about um, when God healed my heart, when Greg says, Cindy, just be yourself because who you are is good. And I didn't think I was good before that because I didn't do very well at the list. Well, I just made that connection with not only did God heal my heart and, and uh, showed me that who I am is good, but I think that was the moment that I first saw God as Father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if I had seen him as Father previous to that day, I would have never felt that he was judging me and criticizing me and displeased with me for not doing the list. So this morning, it all just came together. It was one, it's one thing to, for God to heal your heart and for you to know that who you are is good. But now I see the, the whole thing coming together was that the reason my heart needed to be healed to begin with was because I didn't know him as father. Mm-hmm. Good so, father. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So it really... That's very good. That's together. right. That was like the first moment you comprehended yeah. God. Right? As father. That's right. As a a good father. Yeah. The carnal mind will tell you things about God. Yeah. Yeah. But but Paul comes and said the carnal mind is enmity against God. What that means is the the thoughts of the carnal mind are at odds with God's own thoughts. And so the carnal mind will tell you things about God and what God thinks of you. Because it can't comprehend who God really is. 
If you can't comprehend God, you're going to come up with your own ideas, sir. Right? That's why God was manifest in the flesh. So you could comprehend God. Now you can see God. This is God. Right? I love, I love sharing that testimony with, with others, and I, I share it often. But now I feel like that testimony just expanded. It grew, got, it grew a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. began understanding it. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And listen, you can preach the gospel from that over and over and over again mm -hmm. as you begin to understand what exactly went down. So yeah. it completes it. it completes what what exactly right. that, that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it, man. So thank you, Heather. You're <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. You answered Jay's question. Okay. About knowing God as Father. Oh, what is okay. the excellency of uh, the knowledge of Christ Jesus? Yeah. That's right. The, the cool thing is that I know the wife of the guy that leads the Bible study, and she was, a, I mean, a, one of my best friends for a long time. And that's who I went to for counsel and wisdom and all of that stuff. And it's like I saw her the other day for the first time, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, just having a conversation with her. I mean, I was the enemy immediately because everything I thought and I felt and I believed, I was wrong. And it kind of broke my heart because I'm like, you're the person that I turned to through so many parts of my life. Mm -hmm. And now it's like because I don't think the way that she thinks, I'm the enemy. There's a fear. And, oh, there's a fear and there's a, I mean, she's imprisoned. I mean, mm -hmm. you could see it. Yeah. And she, I mean, she, yeah. I don't even, I can't even explain it further. Grace versus law. Law, law yeah. yeah. Yeah, I felt, I felt very disesteemed. And the, the world really pressed in on me yesterday for most of the day because the, I, I, they just rejected completely what, what I said. I mean, her it eyes was, was are closed, the ears are sealed yeah. Yeah, to you know, the fullest. I, my family members wrote a, a thing about wanted all of us to get together and make this group prayer. Um, God, rescue us. Our, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. And I, and I talked to some of them, and they were talking about their grand... What about our grandkids? This is like, you know, too much. Um, our grandkids... What about our grandkids? If it's this bad now, what's going to happen? And they're wringing their hands in, in worry. And I said to them, it's already been done. They said, "Are you out of your effing mind?" <laughs> <laughs> later, but later that week, one of them called me and said, "I have a question. Why are you such at peace with this? Because it doesn't bother me." I said, and I told them why. Because I, I already have eternal life. My father's are in control. You know, he has us. We have nothing to fear. And and. Um, and it actually was a great conversation with just her. But it, it, when I hung up, I thought, wow, the Spirit talked to her. Yep. You know? Now the others rejected me, mm -hmm. rejected what I, mm -hmm. you know. And um, so I understand you're hurt that, you know, you want to share this incredible <laughs> gift, and it's no. Right. I don't want it. Exactly. The, the, what it is, Billy, is you. To use Old Testament sim symbolism, since th this is what we're talking about, you've seen the bite of the serpent nailed on the pole. Yeah. Yes, right? Exactly. And the bite of the serpent is death. Yes. These right. people are all stressed out about death. Yeah, that's right. But you see that God come and put the bite of the serpent on the cross mm -hmm. and nailed it to the cross. So you've seen death crucified mm -hmm. in your midst. So your heart sees that you're dead to death. And so you've been healed from the bite of the serpent. Mm -hmm. 
Well, these people are all being stung by the bite of the serpent in the world right now. And so they're filled with fear and anxiety about it. But you've been healed from the bite because you've seen the bite nailed to the pole. Right? And so you see the bite of the serpent is dead. You're dead to the death that's in the world. And so you're living freely. And that's what the gospel is supposed to do. It's supposed to come and take the death that's in the world and daily show you how it's been crucified on the cross and how death died. The old man. The blood ran out of the body of the old man. Who was the old man? The old man is the man who was dying. It's the man who was one with death. Well, the blood ran out of that man on the cross, and he died. Paul said God destroyed the body of sin. He destroyed the body that was filled with death. And you've beheld that dying on the cross. And you see, that means I'm dead to death. I'm separated from death. My life is no longer born from the dust. It isn't just the dust life that can be corrupted and decayed and blown away. But it's the the life that's come from above. And so you're healed from the bite of the serpent. And that's why I said the other night, it's an indictment on the message that the church preaches. Yes, absolutely. That the, the Christian world is in the place that they're in. Yes. Because what it means is, and that doesn't mean you can never feel fear press in on you, but at least every Sunday, when you go off to church, you ought to be hearing a message that shows you that death has been nailed to the cross. Amen. And that death died. Yes. Every Sunday you ought to be hearing that. Mm-hmm. That's really all you need. You don't need good advice. Guess what? You and God can actually manage your own life. <laughs> you don't need good advice from me. You don't need good advice from the church. Listen, those guys are walking in darkness. And so what you need is to be stirred up by way of remembrance so you can be reminded of the life that overcomes death in the flesh. And you can be reminded how God has given you that life, his incorruptible life, as a free gift, and how the death that's stressing you out a little bit in the world has been nailed to the cross and the blood ran out of it, and it's dead. It doesn't have life. Death isn't breathing. It's passing away, right? And you behold death perishing. When the death flares up, you see it as perishing. You don't see it as thriving. Well, the carnal mind, all it sees is the death. And so it sees the death as thriving. Well, we've seen God manifested in the flesh. We've seen immortality manifested inside of a human being. And that's cleansed his body from death. We've seen that. That's what we see, right? Yes. Man. And that's the message that gives us great hope. And encouragement, rather than walking out with our head hung low because the world is in such a pitiful state. Yeah, and that's what we need weekly in our lives. Sometimes twice a week. We're going to a wedding this week in um, right outside Boston, and it's one of my good friends. She doesn't live there, but they're going there for the wedding. And she works in the hospital, and she every day is scanning people for COVID. And she is in such great fear that her kids are going to catch it and they're going to die. And I messaged her the other day, and I'm like, hey, you know, like, there's an outbreak near Boston. Like, how are you feeling? And she was like, oh, my gosh, I think I'm going to die. And I was like, why? And she was like, because I don't even want to have my wedding anymore because of COVID, and I don't want to die, and I don't want my kids to die. And I was like, Mm. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I said, I know five people from my my high school graduating class that have died of cancer. I don't know one that has been hospitalized with COVID. Not one. None of them have died. Not to say it can't happen, but I don't know anybody. And I said, you cannot walk around in fear. We're all dying every single day. And I said, but that doesn't mean 
that you're going to die and the world is over, like your life is over. And I said, you're trying to preserve your life in this world. And I said, instead of focusing on what happens after this world. And I said, that is bad. And, I, and so we just kept talking through it and talking through it. And she just said, like, I think every day that I'm so filled with fear because I go into the hospital and it's like, oh, my gosh, you're going to die. And she was like, but you don't think about we're all dying. We could die tomorrow in a car accident or this or that or the other. And, um, and I said, just put your focus back on Jesus and say, like, my life isn't found in this world. If I do die of COVID, I'm with Jesus sooner rather than later. And I said, so just let it be. But I was like, but you are literally dying your days away. Focus on this. And I mean, because this is a year and a half. I mean, she still wipes every grocery that comes into her house with a Clorox. Hey, that fear is what will kill her. That's what I told her. I said, you're going to die of fear. Yeah. 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 And her future husband is totally the opposite. And so I'm like, I can't even imagine how that household is because he's just like, who cares if we get COVID? I mean, we're going to recover. And if we don't recover, it's, it was not how yeah. I wanted to die. But the recovery is like 99 point something percent. But I mean, there are people that are dying from it. So I don't want to discredit yeah. that. But I'm like, it could have been anything. Mm-hmm. But I think people have lost their train of thought before COVID of we never walked around in this world fearing death the way that we do now. Right. Yeah. And it's not death as in. I lose my life. I have a funeral. It's death as in the world as they knew it. Yeah. It's kind of how I see it. Well, the world only had death to give it anyway. Yeah. And so it yeah, just yeah, yeah. revealed what it was there. Right. What she wants is a certainty of life. Mm-hmm. And she thinks a certainty of having life is found in not getting COVID. Yes. But there's only one thing that can give you a certainty of life, and that's the life of God. Yes. Right? And so that's the only thing. I told my mom this the other day because i got to go get blood work done. And she's like, what if they find your arteries are all jacked up? Yeah. You're going to get stents put in your arteries because I've had all these bad symptoms. I was like, I ain't getting no stents put in my arteries. I said, in the day they tell me my arteries are degenerative and in some jacked up state, I said, It'll, either God's going to heal it or I'll, you know, pass on from this world. And she's looking at me all crazy. You're not going to get stents in your heart? And I'm, I'm like, kind of looking at you crazy. And I'm like, I'm like, Mom, you don't get it. And I'm not telling you what you should do or how you should think. I said, but I don't think of life and death as being found in this world. I said, that's not how I view life and death. So I don't think about surviving in this world as having life. Neither do I see as passing away from this world as death. I don't view it that way. So I don't find this great unction to try to preserve this dust body in the day death tries to come upon it. Right now, if all things are equal and I can, you know, eat better, which I just like to do anyway. I don't know if you guys realize that the body actually likes to eat better. Right? It's just once it gets used to all of the crap that we've been fed in our society, it, it thinks that that's what it needs. But the moment you shed it, your body actually feels better. So if I can eat different and eat better and that cleans things up, glory to God. I'm happy to be here as long as I can be. But I don't judge life and death by what happens to me in this world. Right. And most everyone does. And that is the problem. Right? That's the problem. Man, thanks so much, everyone. I got to go. So you guys can keep talking. Those people.